0: chapter five of overruled by pansy the recording is in the public domain chapter five temptations in the glow of the moonlight two figures were distinctly outlined at the gate of the bramlett homestead the hour was late and especially at that quiet part of the world most people were sleeping yet still they lingered hannah Bramlett inside the gate with her anxious face upturned toward jack taylor who lounged against the gate-post and listened with what he meant for an air of respect hannah's voice as well as face was anxious you know jack you own that it is a constant temptation to you and you have half promised me a dozen times that you would give it up why don't you that is the question said jack why don't i it isn't so easy as you women folks think.' "'I know it isn't easy, Jack. At least I have heard others besides yourself say the same thing. But you are not a child to yield to a temptation because it is hard to resist it. You have been brave in struggling against a much greater temptation than this.' "'There is where you are wrong,' said Jack quickly. "'In some ways it is harder to stop smoking than it is to stop drinking.' you see it is like this if a fellow drinks drinks hard you know as i have to if i do it at all and staggers through the streets running against folks and talking to lamp-posts and things why everybody knows about it and if he is poor and wears ragged clothes and all that sort of thing why he is a worthless good-for-nothing fellow at once nobody trusts him nobody wants to have anything to do with him but with smoking it is as different as daylight is from darkness the nicest men in the world smoke and are respected just the same dr ford smokes and you think he is all right he came into our shop the other day to speak to a fellow and he had a cigar in his hand that minute it was a good one too i liked the smell of it in fact you may say i hankered after one like it i went out as soon as i could and bought one not like his i can't indulge expensive tastes you see although i have them but one of my kind i think maybe i would have got through the afternoon without smoking if it had not been for dr ford so you see what i mean by being tempted all the time hannah made a movement of impatience of course i know what you mean jack but can't you see the difference between you and dr ford i don't say i am glad that he smokes i am not i wish he and everybody else would stop it but i want you to think about is what has his smoking to do with you perhaps it isn't a temptation to him certainly it isn't in the same way that it is to you why cannot you live your life and let him live his do the best that you can for yourself without regard to the dr fords or any other people you know jack you have told me that after smoking two or three cigars you felt sometimes such a hankering for liquor that it seemed to you you must have it and you know if you once taste it again you are ruined yet you constantly keep this great temptation before you how can you hope to become anybody when you refuse to help yourself even by so much jack taylor gave a long drawn sigh and shifted his position from one post to the other i don't hope it much he said dolefully that's the living truth i'm not worth the trouble you are taking for me miss hannah i know it as well as the next one if it hadn't been for you and your kind of hanging on to me and expecting better things of me than i expected of myself i should have gone to the dogs long ago and perhaps that would have been the best way because that is how it will end there isn't enough of me to have it end in any other way you see being a woman you don't understand anything about it and you can't understand it isn't that i don't keep up a constant fight about these things take smoking now which it seems to you is just as easy to give up as to say i won't go down street to-day why i've fought enough over that to make a decent fellow of me if there was anything to make it on i began the smoking when i was a little chap not a dozen years old i did it to be like my sunday-school teacher too i knew he was a big splendid man and spent his days in a bank and went riding in his carriage whenever he liked and the cigars seemed a part of him somehow i don't know as i thought that if i got the cigars the bank and the carriage and fine clothes would come but anyhow i copied him where i could and took to smoking I've been at it ever since. Folks talk about second nature. This has got to be first nature with me. I seem to need it, too. Why, one time, since I have been trying to live up to your notions, I went without cigars for pretty near three days, and a crosser, uglier, more cantankerous beast than I was couldn't be found in the country. I wonder I wasn't discharged any hour in the day if they hadn't been short of men and uncommonly hurried i should have been at last it got so bad that i couldn't stand myself i made up my mind it was no use i threw down my hammer and went out and got a cigar and in an hour i was all right all right jack when you own to me that after smoking two or three cigars you feel as though you must have a drink of beer "'That's true, Miss Hannah, and I won't deny it. Everybody may not be so, but with me the two have gone together for a long time, and they seem to belong together. When I get the fumes of a good cigar, it isn't the cigar I think so much about after all as the brandy. I seem to see it somehow skulking behind the other smell, and I have to fly out and get the cigar that I know I can have to keep me from rushing into the thing that I know I mustn't touch.' but i shall touch it some day i feel dead sure of it things are getting worse with me instead of better that is the way it has been all my life i could keep sober up to a certain point then i was off and nothing in this life or the next one could prevent it you know what i have been through if anything could have kept me sober it was that little girl of mine my wife you know and yet i killed her with the drink poor hannah bramlett how utterly helpless she felt before this vision of attempted soul it was as if for the first time she had been given a glimpse into darker depths than she had before imagined jack taylor looking at her could distinctly see a tear rolling slowly down her cheeks a tear of sympathy it may be but also of disappointment this shocked and dismayed him as tears on the face of an habitually self-controlled woman always must dismay those who are not utterly hardened it roused him to instant endeavour i'll tell you what miss hannah i'm not worth all the trouble you are taking for me and that's a fact you just let go of me and let me slide there are fellows in this town who are not so far gone as i and young chaps who are just beginning and some who haven't begun yet, but they will. If you will just turn your mind to some of them and save them, you will be doing something worthwhile. But I'm not of any particular account anyway. My wife is dead, and mother is dead, and there isn't a living soul who cares what becomes of me. The effect was utterly different from what Hannah would have hoped for, had her tears been planned for effect. They were instantly dried, and hannah leaning over the gatepost, laid her hand on jack's arm he was watching her intently a curious eager look in his eyes if this girl who had been so kind kinder than her sort of folks had ever been to him before would only consent to drop her hold upon him and let him slide he could then go back to the tastes for which his whole diseased body and brain longed with something like an easy conscience according to his distorted ideas of conscience a strange fight was at that moment going on in jack taylor's mind he was making hannah bramlett the pivot on which his next action was to turn if she would only say jack i am disappointed in you i have helped you all i can i must give you up then would he go as straight as impatient feet could carry him to the nearest saloon and drink until this awful thirst of his was quenched it was heavier upon him to-night than it had been for weeks before what she said with her hand resting on his arm was jack i will never give you up never as long as i live so help me god i have asked him on my knees to make of you a good true man and to let me be a help to you in some way don't ask me to turn away from that hope and expectation jack you are the first one i ever tried to help in my life and if you fail me it will spoil my life as well as yours it was a strange appeal and it had a strange effect jack continued to look at her steadfastly but the light died out in his eyes leaving instead almost a sullen look and he gave presently that long-drawn sigh and said well then i suppose i must try it some more i thought i wouldn't but if you won't let go of a fellow what can he do an upper window of the bramlett homestead opened at that moment a head appeared and a voice was heard hannah you ought not to stand out there any longer in the cold i wish you would come in it was her mother's voice and there was more than maternal solicitude for hannah's health expressed in it hannah knew what the admonition meant so in a degree did jack he laughed a little bitterly they are watching out for you miss hannah he said you are getting yourself into lots of trouble by trying to help such a worthless fellow as i am it would be a great deal better for you just to give me up Hush said hannah i don't want you ever to say anything of that kind to me again remember what i have told you that i will never give you up we must not talk any longer now it is late but i shall expect to see you at the hall to-morrow as usual good night by the time she had locked the door and toiled up the long flight of stairs the door of her mother's room opened and that good lady in night attire old-fashioned candlestick in hand appeared to light her daughter through the hall and speak her mind i wonder at you hannah standing at the gate in the cold at this time of night to talk with that fellow after what ralph said to you i can't think what has got into you you never used to go on in this way before oh ralph said hannah in a high-pitched indignant voice don't quote him to me mother to-night if he would help me a little in what i am trying to do instead of smoking around the streets setting bad examples for others to follow i might be more willing to listen to what he has to say i haven't hurt anybody by standing at the gate a few minutes with a poor tempted boy our voices couldn't have disturbed you tonight i am sure we spoke low enough it isn't the disturbance said the mother in an injured tone you know well enough hannah that i'm not one to be disturbed by folks trying to help others but there is common sense in all things and it isn't common sense for you to stand out at the front gate at this time of night talking with a good-for-nothing boy it does seem as though you were possessed what do you suppose people think of you at your age too i don't care what they think said hannah she disappeared within her own room without so much as saying good-night to her mother and slammed the door a little as she did so by which token it will be seen that an angelic spirit had by no means gotten complete possession of hannah bramlett as to what people said of her they were busy saying it that very night she had been so earnest in her last words to jack that she had not so much as noticed a passing carriage moving very slowly down the road while one pair of keen eyes watched with eagerness the scene at the gate perhaps hannah would have been more careful had she noticed the carriage and known that it contained mr and mrs jonas smith and perhaps not hannah had her own share of the bramlett obstinacy but mrs smith looked and looked and spoke her mind just see that bramlett girl i suppose she calls herself a girl though she is thirty if she is a day standing at the gate with jack taylor with her hand on his arm and leaning over to gaze into his face i dare say he is drunk this very minute what can her folks be thinking about haven't they any influence over her do you suppose or don't they know how she is going on with that fellow i declare somebody ought to tell them what people are saying if a woman of her age hasn't learned common sense it is high time she was looked after for the sake of the girls and the boys too for that matter to be sure she can't hurt jack taylor but who would have expected such goings on in a bramlett certainly life was bringing to hannah bramlett some hard experiences as she had told jack taylor she had lived her life until very recently without even an effort to help along the work of the world in any way she had not told him how intense her desire had been to take her place with the great army of those who thought of others instead of themselves whose days were filled with important work service instead of with petty routine but she had been trammelled on every side chiefly by the feeling which seemed to possess all who knew her that hannah bramlett could not be counted upon in any way she was in a singular sense of the phrase a girl who had had no place in life other girls in their teens had been full of this sweet fascinating world charmed with its pursuits intoxicated almost with its pleasures it had had no opportunity to charm hannah She had been a shy, backward girl, living much within herself, always when at home busy with the daily burdens of life on an unproductive farm where hired labor was scarce and work heavy. The long winter evenings, that might have been made to do so much for the girl, had very largely been spent with her father and mother in the large farmhouse kitchen, gathered around a single kerosene lamp of not-modern style her father carefully reading the daily paper her mother busy with the interminable mending basket hannah had been expected from almost her babyhood to do her full share of the mending and had faithfully attacked this duty which her soul hated when her brother ralph was a little boy he had escaped the kitchen by going early to bed as he grew older and indeed blossomed suddenly into young manhood he had gone out into the world and taken his place among the young people as hannah never had in fact he had speedily become a leader among a certain class of young people and had his intimate friends who included him as a matter of course in all their plans oh yes hannah had been a schoolgirl and a faithful painstaking scholar she had made fairly good use of such opportunities as had been hers and would have liked nothing better had the books been at her command than to fill the long winter evenings with reading and study but as life on the farm grew harder she was more and more needed at home and as no one recognized for her the importance of her continuing at school her teachers as a rule being busy with more brilliant pupils she early and quietly dropped out of line she had had but few acquaintances in school and no intimates in short a greater contrast could hardly be imagined than that which her own young life and her brother's presented chapter five